Hope everyone is doing well. It is good to be here. It is good to be in God's presence with God's people to worship Him. A few announcements as we begin. Um, the Carters have asked me to announce that uh, there will be a celebration of life for Michaela Carter, um, who's Bob and Sadie's granddaughter. Um, and it will be Saturday at the Bethesda Church in White Sulphur Springs. Um, and uh, for the the 3 to 4.30 for family and friends, and then the, the service will start at 4.30. And they do ask that social distancing and mask wearing, um, if, you're come, if you come. So please continue to pray for, well, Bob and Sadie, for Matt and Julie, for the rest of the family, um, as they grieve Michaela. And also, um, session, we will likely meet a week from tomorrow on the 27th at 5 o'clock in the Fellowship Hall. Um, so please be aware of that. If something changes, I'll make contact with each of the three of you. Um, and then also, today, now you know that you can register almost anything as National Whatever Day in America. Today is National Ice Cream Day in America. And I had originally planned to do some type of ice cream social as a fellowship and then Things changed, and I thought, well, maybe we could do a bring-your-own ice cream kind of ice cream social, and then things just continue to change and get worse. So here's my proposal for National Ice Cream to, National Ice Cream Day. At some point today, have some ice cream. Okay? That's the easy part. Now, it can be a spoonful of ice cream. It could be the whole half gallon, if you like. I will let you choose. And then while you're having the ice cream, think about a neighbor or a friend or a family member that you would like to have ice cream with that does not know the Lord, that does not attend church. And while you're having ice cream, pray for them. It can be a quick, simple prayer. Lord, draw so-and-so to you. Amen. You can make it a little bit more complex. Lord, draw so-and-so to you, and if you see fit, use me. However you'd like to pray for that person, pray for that person while you're having ice cream today. And so celebrate National Ice Cream Day. That's the easy part, but in such a way that uh, you pray for a neighbor who needs Jesus. Are there any other announcements? All right. If not, our call to worship today comes from Excuse me, it comes from Psalm 72. This is the last two verses of Psalm 72, verses 18 and 19. Praise be to the Lord God, the God of Israel, who alone does marvelous deeds. Praise be to his glorious name forever. May the whole earth be filled with his glory. Amen and amen. Let us pray. Our God and Father above, we do come before you today at your call, and we are here today to praise you. We praise you in the time of pandemic, in the time of a virus that in some ways seems to be getting better, in other ways seems to be getting worse. And yet we know that you are the God who does marvelous deeds, and you can do marvelous deeds even with this virus. And so we have come, according to your call today, to praise you, to know that you are glorious forever, and to know that the whole earth is filled with your glory. So, Lord, we worship you today in the reading and teaching of Scripture, in the singing of songs, and in our prayers, specifically right now in the prayer that you have taught us. Our Father, 
which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Now let us lift our voices in praise, although we will lift them not forcefully, but quietly, by turning to Bible song number 155, the church's doxology. So let us take a few moments to sing the psalm, the two verses from Psalm 72 that we just read. So let us stand and sing the church's doxology. is to be about praising God for all of his works, we are also reminded that we oftentimes fail, especially with the words we speak as we learn uh, in Sunday school today from James. So here this prayer of confession, as has been the case for the last few months, our prayer of confession comes from Prone to Wander by Barbara Duguid and Wayne Hoke. And so hear this prayer of confession. Lord God Almighty, As we gaze upon your holiness, we are left devastated by our sinfulness. We are lost in the uncleanness of our lips, unimaginably selfish, utterly prideful, and crushingly unloving words have been spoken freely from these lips. At the same time, we often use our lips to say good things only so that we will be praised by others or so that you will accept us based on our righteousness. We constantly fail to use our lips to say loving or truthful things because we would rather save ourselves the trouble of loving you and others. We live among others who also have unclean lips. We have been mocked, offended, and hated through the lips of others. We confess that we have often responded to these sins with spiteful anger. Show us our Savior. The prophet cried, woe is me as his unclean lips were exposed in light of your holiness. 
We come boldly to you because the woe that we deserve has been entirely poured out on your son, Jesus Christ. The sacrifice appointed to redeem our shameful lips was none other than the gruesome death of one whose lips were perfectly clean. Jesus' lips spoke love to children, quieted storms, declared forgiveness to sinners, and remained silent before his accusers. When Jesus was angry, his lips remained pure, as his anger was expressed in ways that continue to fulfill your commandment to love you and others before himself. The very lips that spoke, Father, forgive them, that we might be saved, cried out in agony, Father, why have you forsaken me, so that we would not be forsaken? We are left in awe at this unfathomable act of love. Thank you, Father, that the cross stands empty now. Jesus is risen, and you have made us alive in him. Help us, Lord, to speak in light of this gospel news. May we use our lips to speak the same grace and love that have been so richly lavished upon us. When we fail, Lord, help us to remember the words of forgiveness that have been so powerfully guaranteed by the blood of Jesus. Help us to wait patiently for the day when our faith will be sight. The day our lips will finally and purely sing, Hallelujah, what a Savior. In Jesus' name we pray, Amen. And hear these words of assurance from Isaiah chapter 6. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken with tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin is atoned for. Our scripture reading today comes from the Gospel of John a passage that has been tied in some ways to our sermon passage today from Proverbs 8. And so hear these words from John, beginning in chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. There came a man who was sent from God. His name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all men might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or of a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testifies concerning him. He cries out, saying, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. From the fullness of his grace, we have all received one blessing after another. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but God, the one and only, who is at the Father's side, has made him known. May the Lord add his rich blessing to the reading of his holy and inspired word. 
Now is the time where we would typically take up our offerings. If you heard, as you've heard me say, uh, there will be a basket, should be a basket here at the front. It's there on the piano. There's also a plate out in the entry, or you can mail in your offerings as we have done. We do raise praises to you, knowing that you are owner of all things, creator of all things, and you have given us stewardship over the things that you have entrusted to us. And so we seek to honor you today by the giving of these tithes and offerings. We seek to worship you by returning a portion to you as you have commanded. May you be honored, may you be glorified, and may what has been given today May it be used in a way that honors and glorifies you and that shines the light of your gospel into the darkness of our world. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Brothers and sisters, please take the hymn book there before you, hymn number 442. Here, O Lord, I see thee face to face. That's what we await. We await that time that according to 1 John, we see God face to face. And we anticipate that and we live in hope. And for now, we see God face to face in the Scriptures and in His Son. And so let us remain standing and sing hymn 442. Hear, O my Lord, I see Thee face to face.
Amen. Please be seated. Our creed, the Apostles' Creed, our summary of belief is found there in your bulletin. So church, what do you believe? I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Kermit is home. Um, he ended up staying in the hospital a couple of extra nights due to some uh, uh, difficulties with pain and other things, but he is home now, and last I heard, doing well. Um, continue to pray for the Shepherd family and the Hodges family. The uh, Topher Hodges is my brother-in-law, and his father passed away. Um, also continue to pray for this virus, that God would remove it or provide relief from it, um, and that he would be glorified in however this virus works out. Um, are there any other updates or prayer requests? If not, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our God and Father above, we do thank you for this opportunity to approach your throne. We really should be very much like Isaiah, as he was there in your throne room, driven to his knees, saying, Woe is me, I am undone, a man of unclean lips, who ministers to a people of unclean lips. Lord, we should be awed by your holiness and the fact that we can approach your throne in prayer without fear of judgment because of the work that our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ has done. A work that was once for all for those who believe, who have been called, and whom you will glorify a work that reconciles God to man and humanity to each other in that it pays the penalty for sin, the sin that divides God and man and the sin that divides man from man, person from person. Lord, help us to live in the light of that reconciliation, to live in the light that you shine your favor upon those who reach out to you in faith to live in the reality that we are forgiven, that we are accepted, that we are loved by you, and to live in the reality of the hope that we have that one day you will redeem all of creation and set things right, that you will dwell with man, that you will once and for all be our God and you will be, we will be your people, and that as we sung, sang earlier, we will see you face to face. Lord, help us to live in the glory and in the joy of that hope. Especially as we consider these requests, we thank you that Kermit is home. and We ask that you continue to be with him in his recovery and be with Linda as she seeks uh, to minister to him. 
We pray for these families, for the Shepherd family, for the Hodges family, for the Pine and Huffman family, as they grieve the loss of loved ones. Lord, for our shut-ins, we pray for them and ask that you will give them an extra measure of your presence as, as they have been even further separated from people in the midst of this virus. We pray for those who are separated uh, by military service, specifically the Williamsons, the Ratliffs, as they are living under the weight of separation from a son, from a husband, from a father. So Lord, strengthen them in the midst of that. We pray for those who are persecuted because of your gospel. We praise you for the release from prison for several of the members of the church in China that we prayed for last week. But we also know that many others have not had that grace in China and other countries around the world where they are still imprisoned, persecuted sometimes physically for their belief in you. Strengthen them. Help them to testify well in the midst of their difficulty and strengthen them for the ordeals that they are going for. Remind them of the grace that you have. For the men and women around our country and around our world who are seeking to plant churches or to speak your gospel into places where your gospel is either not known or it is ignored, I ask for strength and effectiveness for them. I think specifically today of Nathan in Charlottesville, for his church there, that as it was kind of getting going and beginning to get some steam, that this shutdown happened and they've had to reevaluate how they do ministry there. Strengthen him and his family and his church in this difficulty. Strengthen all of us in this difficulty as we try to be wise in sifting through what government officials and medical officials and the news officials tell us. Help us to be wise in how we move forward. Help us to love you and love neighbor and how we interact with our neighbors in the midst of this virus. And we cry out to you. Show us the way through this. If you have things that your church needs to repent of, show us those things clearly so that we might repent and be restored to full fellowship. If you are calling us to wait and to trust in you more deeply, give us the strength to do that so that we might be restored to full fellowship. Lord, whatever it is you are seeking to teach us, even if you are just seeking to show the world that you're a God who hates sin, help the world to see that, to not be like Pharaoh in Egypt or not be like the people described in Revelation who saw the signs of your judgment and yet ignored them and refused to repent. Help us, help our culture not to be like that. Turn our hearts toward you. Help us to repent. Help our government officials to turn toward you and pursue your wisdom, whether they be state, local, or federal. Help us to repent and turn our hearts toward you, both as individuals, as your church. But we know that you hear. We know that you answer. We know that you love us. We know that you are sovereign and we know that you are good. And so we wait upon you. We trust upon you. 
We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Turn with me now to the book of Proverbs. We are in Proverbs chapter 8. Today we'll begin in verse 22. This is the the second portion of a longer discourse which encompasses the entirety of Proverbs chapter 8. It is Lady Wisdom taking voice and speaking to the son, to Solomon's son, whom he is teaching and laying out her call to him. We will wrap up her call this week. We will see a summary of her call and Folly's call in chapter nine before we move into the individual sayings of Proverbs and sayings of Lemuel and sayings of the wise and more sayings of Proverbs as as collected by Hezekiah as we move through. But the introductory matter, which is chapters one through nine, the main message of the introductory matter is coming to a close and then will be summarized um, next week and probably the next two weeks, actually, as we look at chapter nine. But today we are in Proverbs chapter eight, beginning in verse 22. The Lord brought me forth as the first of his works before his deeds of old. I was appointed from eternity from the beginning before the world began. When there were no oceans, I was given birth. When there were no springs abounding with water. Before the mountains were settled in place, before the hills, I was given birth. Before he made the earth or its fields or any of the dust of the world, I was there when he set the heavens in place. When he marked out the horizon on the face of the deep, when he established the clouds above, and fix securely the mountains of the deep. When he gave the sea its boundaries, so that the waters would not overstep his command, and when he marked out the foundations of the earth, then I was the craftsman by his side. I was filled with delight day after day, rejoicing always in his presence, rejoicing in his whole world, and delighting in mankind. Now then, my sons, listen to me, Blessed are those who keep my ways. Listen to my instruction and be wise. Do not ignore it. Blessed is the man who listens to me, watching daily at my doors, waiting at my doorway. For whoever finds me finds life and receives favor from the Lord. But whoever fails to find me harms himself. All who hate me love death. Let us pray. Our God and Father above, as we consider the words of Lady Wisdom, I do ask that you show us the paths that stand before us, the paths that we take, the choices that we have in regards to your wisdom. Help us to choose rightly. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Saving the best for last. Oftentimes in the art of persuasion, whether it's in writing or in speaking, you are instructed to save your best argument for last. You kind of build up your arguments from the weakest, so to speak, to the not so weakest and to your best or your strongest argument. We are called to save our best for last. And that is what Solomon does here as he builds his case for the importance of wisdom, beginning in Proverbs 1.1 and working his way through chapter 8, he has saved his best argument for last. 
In the first seven chapters of, of Proverbs, Solomon has listed a number of reasons that he gives to his son, reasons that the son should turn away from folly and follow the teachings of wisdom that he has given him as he has grown up and that he will also give him later on in the book of Proverbs in chapters 10 through 31. Some of these reasons include the fact that through wisdom, the course of life will be made smooth. Trust in the Lord in all your ways. He will direct your paths. They're also seen in the fact that through wisdom, blessing and fulfillment will come upon the Son and also upon you and I. And that through wisdom, prosperity will come. There are other reasons that we could highlight as well. But in today's passage, Solomon brings out the best reason to follow wisdom's call. And the, wis- and the reason is, is seen in the link to creation that Solomon shows that wisdom has. And so today, as we look at this truth, we will see that wisdom's link to creation demands a response. First, Solomon links wisdom to creation. And he does this. This link is presented for two reasons. The first reason is kind of minor. It's a genealogy type reason. I've been looking through uh, genealogy lately just to kind of see uh, where my family came from or to see if I can open up any more mysteries that were found when my uncle and, and an aunt, his aunt prior to him, did the search of genealogy. But genealogy would have been very important for Solomon and for his son as well. It's because these were kings. And what's important for the king to establish his foothold? Well, their genealogy, where they came from, even if it takes a left-hand turn at an illicit relationship, so to speak, if you can link yourself to a king in the past, you lay a claim to the throne that you are seeking to ascend. It gives you weight. It gives you gravitas. It gives you a sense of authority that is bestowed upon you because who you were related to. As I was doing some genealogical search, I was looking through mom's line. And we came all the way back to Alfred the Great, the great unifier of England. So my mom, and possibly even myself, has a claim that we could lay to the throne of England. We won't do that, by the way. I'm not moving to England. Don't want to be king. You know what happens to kings. It's not good. But it, it, it gives you, it, it gives the king a claim to the throne. Wisdom here is the same way. You trace the genealogy of wisdom all the way back to creation. It has weight. It has gravitas. But the second link that we see here to creation is that wisdom is linked to God through the creative act. And we see this in three ways. We see this linking happen in three different roles that wisdom takes in creation. The first is a passive role. Creation or wisdom, we are told, is brought forth. We are told that wisdom was appointed, ordained, or set up. That word there in verse um, 23, it says, I would have was appointed, can also mean ordained, or I was set up from eternity past. Twice we are told that wisdom was given birth prior to creation, before creation. And we see five times the word is before is used through here. But Lady Wisdom we see is passive in her origin linked to creation. 
We know that God created all things that exist. We know that God created all things for nothing. And prior to creation beginning, God brought wisdom into existence. The tools, the information, the knowledge that we as humans would need to live, to work, to relate to creation. God brought forth from before the foundations of the world. You know, God planned all this out. God didn't just say, oh, wow, now I've got this creation. I need to figure out how it's going to work. God brought forth the way it's going to work, the way that we could live prosperously and blessedly within this creation before he created. He knew the tools, the wisdom, the understanding, the information that we would need, and he brought it into being. God, in his infinite wisdom, in his perfect wisdom, planned for our wisdom. It's how we image God. God is perfectly wise. God is wisdom. We have the ability to grow in wisdom. But wisdom herself was passive in that, in bringing her out. And one of the ways I confused y'all really bad last week was to talk about how Jesus relates to this passage. And he relates to it in a comparison way that we see that he is superior to this. How is Jesus superior to wisdom's passive role in creation? Well, he's superior because Jesus was not passive in creation. He was not brought forth. Jesus is the eternal, always existent person in the Godhead, the second person of the Trinity. He is superior to wisdom in that way. He was not passive in creation. What did John tell us? Through him, all things were made. How does Paul put that statement in Colossians? By him, all things were made. And by him, all things hold together. Jesus is superior to Lady Wisdom because he is the creator. He was not passive in creation. He was not created. He is eternally existent and he is superior to Lady Wisdom. And so we are to pursue Lady Wisdom. Now, while she was passive in creation, one of the cool things is she was also present in creation. How many times have you read through Genesis 1 and thought, man, I would love to have been a fly on the wall just to witness the pronouncement of let there be and then see with our eyes and there was. Can you imagine being an utter total darkness where no light exists and suddenly to hear let there be light and ta-da there was light to see the creation of something we take for granted we flip a switch and the lights come on the sun comes up every morning the moon shines and the stars shine at night we have a comet that we can see right now that is shining light to us Imagine being there for the creation of light. Wisdom was present at creation. She saw the waters separated from the waters below to the waters above. She saw the the earth being created all the way from the dry areas to to the fertile areas. She saw the mountains placed upon the foundation that had been built to hold up the mountains. She saw all those things happen. And Jesus was superior to that, not merely because he was present, but as we have mentioned already, he was the creator. 
His was the power that said, let there be. And there was. So wisdom was passive in creation. She was present in creation and she praised God for creation. Verses 30 and 31 state that wisdom rejoiced and delighted in what God has done, specifically in humanity, the crown of creation. The words translated rejoiced and delighted are are not words that we typically associate with our worship. We are called the frozen chosen for a reason. These are frolicking words. These are, dare I say, dancing words. Wisdom, Lady Wisdom looked out over God's creation. Lady Wisdom looked at the crown of creation, Adam and Eve there in the garden. And she laughed. She danced. She frolicked in exuberant joy, glorifying God. Have you ever had a moment in your life? Hopefully you have. Hopefully yes is the answer to this question. Have you ever had a moment in your life where God did something for you? Where you just bubbled over? You couldn't contain yourself. It might have flown and flowed in tears of joy. You might have laughed. You might have done a little jig. For those of you listening online, I just did a little jig. But you did it in joy. You did it in praise to God. Because you had seen His glory. That's what Lady Wisdom did. She praised God for the glory that was His creation. The glory that was humanity created in His image and placed in the garden to be His rulers. And while Jesus praised God throughout His life, Jesus also receives praises of His people. He doesn't just praise. He is the God who receives Praises. And in showing these three rules, these three roles, excuse me, this passive role, the present role, the praising role that Lady Wisdom had at creation, Solomon is linking the wisdom that he is seeking to teach his son to the same wisdom that created the heavens and the earth. Now, for Solomon, at the time of Solomon, what do you think? was the greatest, the ultimate expression of God's wisdom. It was his creation. Solomon would look out over the earth, over the creation. He would stand upon the temple mount, looking over the valleys, watching the sunrise and the sunset, the moon's phases, the stars, the trees, the flowers, the people walking around. And he would say, I worship a wise God because of creation. It was the ultimate display of God's wisdom. And the same God that created the earth gave the wisdom that Solomon is teaching his son. He is linking here the power of God's law to his son's life because it was created by God. And that's the most important thing that Solomon's son could know as a reason to follow wisdom. To follow the teachings of Solomon, because the same God who created an earth that that proclaims order, that proclaims wisdom, is the God who proclaimed the teachings that Solomon had given. This linking of creation to wisdom is reflected in Paul as well. In Romans chapter one, verses 19 and 20, Paul says, for what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. 
for his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. Even today, we can look out over creation and we can see God's wisdom. But God's creation, brothers and sisters, even though Solomon felt it was the ultimate expression of God's wisdom, creation is not the ultimate expression of God's wisdom. It is what we call the penultimate or the second ultimate expression of God's wisdom. In Luke chapter 11, verse 49, in 1 Corinthians 1, 24, and in Colossians 2, 3, Jesus is called some form of God's wisdom. Whether it's the wisdom of God or literally God's wisdom. But what is he God's wisdom for? Is he God's wisdom for creation? No. Paul tells us that he is God's wisdom for salvation. Salvation is the ultimate representation of God's wisdom. When we look to the cross, we see God at his most wisest. We should ask the question when reading Genesis 3, where God says, The seed of the woman will crush the head of the serpent while the serpent bruises his heel. We should ask, how's that going to work out? And as we read the rest of the Old Testament, we should say, oh my goodness, is Noah the one? Well, no, he failed. Well, how about Abraham? No, he died. Okay, it's got to be Joseph because, I mean, he's like perfect. No, he dies. And we go the rest of the way through the Old Testament and we say, okay, God, is this your wisdom? Nope, it's not it. Until we get to Matthew or Mark or Luke or John and we're told that Jesus came into the world. And God in His wisdom planned out from before the foundation of the world how reconciliation would be brought about between God and man. And that is the cross. And so when we look to the cross, we see the ultimate representation of God's wisdom. And this, brothers and sisters, is the ultimate reason why Jesus is better than Lady Wisdom. Because we can follow all the precepts that Solomon lays out for us in Proverbs 1.1 through the end of uh, chapter 31. We can seek to follow as, as well as we can all the laws and teachings laid out for us in the Scripture. And it will not bridge that gulf between us and God. It will not bring reconciliation. And ultimately, Jesus is superior to Lady Wisdom because He has brought us redemption. He has brought us atonement. Solomon had hints of this in the sacrificial system that should have pointed him forward to a perfect atonement, a perfect sacrifice. But we have the full display of God's wisdom in the cross. Do you want the benefits that wisdom promises? We've talked about blessing. We've talked about prosperity. We've talked about life. We've talked about direction. They are found in Christ and in Him alone. Do you want God's blessing upon your life? It is found in Christ and in Him crucified. Do you want the prosperity that wisdom promises? It is found in Christ and in Him crucified. Do you want the life that wisdom promises? It is found in him, in Christ, and in him crucified. So Solomon links wisdom to God's creative act to remind us that God's wisdom, as taught in the scriptures, comes from the same source as the wisdom 
seen in creation and seen in the cross. And much like Solomon has done several other times in his, in his writings to his son in these first eight chapters, he reminds his son that you must decide. He says this beginning in verse 32, Now then, my sons, listen to me. Blessed are those who keep my ways. Listen to my instruction and be wise. Do not ignore it. Blessed is the man who listens to me. Watching daily at my doors, watching at my doorway. Whoever finds me finds life and receives favor from the Lord, but whoever fails to find me harms himself. All who hate me love death. The proper response to wisdom's teaching, the proper response that is demanded by wisdom is the response of listening. Listening is active. It's not merely, as we've said several times already, it's the same word that's already showed up several times, Proverbs 1 through 8. Listening is not merely allowing sound waves to bounce off your eardrum and electrical impulses to fire from your, your whatever that nerve is, your hearing nerve into your brain. It is actually taking and applying what we talked about in Sunday school as being doers of the word, not merely hearers. It's taking it and applying it to your life. So it's active. Listening is eager. Verse 34, the second two lines there. It says that blessed is the man who listens, watching daily at my doors, waiting at my doorway. We can't wait to hear the words of God. We cannot wait to hear Lady Wisdom. We are busting down the doors to get to hear the preaching and the teaching, to do our daily Bible study, to soak in the truths of God. We just cannot help but rush into it. Do we eagerly listen to the teaching of the Word? Wisdom brings blessing. There's this relationship Listen is three times in these two verses. And in between, you have the word blessed. So you have listen, blessed, listen, blessed, listens. There's a link when we see that there. Listening to God, actively putting his, his wisdom into practice, specifically the wisdom of salvation, brings blessing upon his people. And listening, heeding, brings life and favor with God. I want to park on this one for just a second here. If you have listened to the gospel call, if you have by faith embraced the wisdom of God in the cross, God looks upon you with favor. And you know what can change that? Nothing. I can't change God's favor on you. You can't change God's favor on me. And more importantly, you can't change God's favor on you. If you have embraced the gospel message, if you have embraced the wisdom of the cross, God looks upon you with favor. I've told you before, I'm the consummate pessimist. And when I look at the law, I see condemnation. I see what I have done wrong. When I look at the scripture, I see what I need to sanctify, what I need to mortify. And that's right. But it's not enough because I don't see the glory and the good in the law, in the scriptures, in the gospel. And the glory and the good is that the ultimate blessing that we have on this earth is the favor of God. He loves me. He loves you if you have embraced the cross. He loves those who have not embraced the cross, but in a different way. But that favor, that, 
that looking upon us with a lifted up countenance, that turning his face. If, if you've ever been to a funeral I've done, I'll, I'll give you a hand. I, I, end it the exact, I end every funeral the exact same way. And it's with the benediction we're going to hear today. And it's that picture of a father lifting his face to a broken, sad child and smiling at him with favor and love so that the child knows everything's okay. I don't know why I'm getting so excited about this, but I am. That's the favor that we have in God. And in light of all those things that the law points out in my heart where I know I fall far short of holiness and sanctification, changes God's favor not one iota. Not one bit. When I am down upon myself because of my own sin, God in His wisdom says it's on the cross and I still love you. I still look upon you with favor. Look at me and be comforted. I needed that today. And listening brings life. If you are in Christ, you have favor and life. John talks about life throughout his gospel. He talks about eternal life. But he doesn't talk about it as some future reality. Hey, you know what? I'll have eternal life once Jesus comes back, but I'm in trouble until then. No. John says you have that eternal life right now. It is yours. It is mine. If you're in Jesus, you have life. You have life eternal if you embrace the wisdom of the cross. And of course, as you know me, I focus on the negative. So thanks be to God that Solomon gives it to me there in verse 36. But whoever fails to find me harms himself. All who hate me love death. There's no middle ground with God's wisdom. I think oftentimes we play with God's wisdom like there is. We think, oh, my neighbor's okay. My neighbor's a pretty good person. They'll be all right. Oh, we profess when we're together that there's no middle ground. But we live in such a way that shows that we really believe that as long as our neighbor just, you know, doesn't, you know, throw their garbage in our yard and stays quiet and, and, and you know, just kind of lives a good life, then they'll be okay. They don't need the gospel. Just like with Solomon's son here, when we look to the wisdom of the cross, there's no middle ground. As the great theologian, the lead singer of Rush, Getty Lee said, that's a joke, he's not a great theologian, he's an atheist, but he did say in one of his songs, if you choose not to decide, you still have made a choice. Even if you just say, well, maybe later. I'll think about the gospel later. You're ignoring the wisdom of the cross. I think it was Spurgeon that says, don't allow the thief on the cross to be a motivation to wait too long. Or something along those lines. Brothers and sisters, wisdom demands a choice. We either listen and embrace wisdom and find favor in life, or we ignore it and bring harm and death upon ourselves. We have been presented today with wisdom's call. You must choose. Let us pray. 
Our God and Father above, we do thank you for your wisdom. The wisdom seen in creation, but specifically and especially the wisdom seen in the cross, because all creation can do is expose enough of your wisdom to let us know that we are without excuse. But in your word, you show us the cross. That ultimate display of your wisdom that says, I have provided reconciliation. Draw each of us to that cross. For those who don't know you, who do not have faith, draw them to that cross for the first time so that they can know reconciliation with God. For those of us who have embraced the wisdom of the cross, draw us to what we need. Today, I need to know your favor upon my life. Others may need to know the call to sanctification. Draw us to see the prosperity, the blessing and the life that is ours in the wisdom of the cross. A wisdom that you have given to us, a wisdom that you offer freely. I pray this in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Our closing hymn comes from the hymn book. It is hymn number 503. We have heard the joyful sound. Hopefully we have made a joyful sound as well. So let us stand and lift our voices together to sing hymn number 503. We have heard the joyful sound. week take this blessing upon you the lord bless you and keep you the lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you the lord turn his countenance upon you and bring you peace amen we pray with the saints of old come quickly lord jesus